Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Now, by way of review, here's what I want to remind you. Matthew 18, the whole chapter itself, remember, Jesus deals with matters that are completely related. Okay, so he's going to talk about this, and you go, well, what do you mean? Well, for example, um, here's what he's going to talk about. How we think of others, how do we think of others? Do we think of them with self-exalting pride? Or Jesus would tell us, do we think of them in humility? How do we think of others? Matthew 18, we've talked about that. Or how we receive and treat little ones who are truly believe in Jesus. And you go, what do you mean little ones, like little children? Remember, he talked about this. He said the little children are new believers. They're the ones that are excited and they're like, I'm born again. This is great. This is amazing. This is amazing. See, because here's what Jesus said, and we talked about this last week, and I just want to review. It's Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, and it says this. It says, What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin? He says, Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? That was heavy. That was really heavy last week because here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying woe to the person for giving these God-believing children a hard time. Hard times, he goes, are inevitable, but you don't have to make it worse. Woe to the man who causes a little one to stumble. Very, 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 very important. Woe, woe. And you go, well, what's the underlying subject? What was well, the Lord talking about in the first 14 verses. Well, if you're taking note, jot this down, because here's what it is. Ready? How we think in our heart determines how we treat others. How we think in our heart determines how we treat others. Can I get an amen? Amen. Isn't that true? What's happening in our heart is the way we're going to treat others. This is what the Lord is saying. And one thing that is clear in the Lord's teaching is potential conflict. Why? Because he said this to us. Listen, he said, for offenses must come. He says, they're they're, going to come. It's expected. He says, therefore, that the Lord address the matter of restoring the sinning saint. So offenses are going to come. We're going to, he says, but how do we restore one? How do we restore one? So today, I want to talk to you about restoring a sinning saint. If you're taking note, jot this down. The Bible tells us as Paul is writing to the Galatian church, he says in chapter 6, verse 1, brethren. So he's talking about family. That word brethren is family. He's looking at us and he says family. If a man is taken in any trespass, You who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Guys, listen to what Paul says. He says, you guys are walking. You're walking with Jesus, and you got a great walk, and you're you're on fire for the Lord, and you're strong in God. He says, you see your brother sinning. He says, your job is to restore, but be careful. Now, what does he say? He says, restore in gentleness. Restore in gentle, and he says, consider that you might also be tempted. Yeah, I got a brother, he's, uh, he's at the bar every weekend, I'm going to go help him out, and, and, and I'm sitting at the bar here, and, and I'm trying to win my brother back into fellowship, but the, and, and he see how we can be tempted, you understand that? The Lord said, no, 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 this is what you need to do. In other words, he says this, dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by sin, You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. This is what he's saying. And be careful, and be careful, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. That's key. Let me illustrate it this way. If your brother has a problem with with donuts, 
and you have a problem with donuts, and donuts is sin. Now, I'm not saying the donuts we bring here are sin. I'm saying that donuts is it's just, it's just illustration-wise, okay? And uh, my brother Adam has a problem with donuts. He loves donuts. And he's fallen to, he, he's practically living at the donut shop. Now, I have a problem with donuts, but I haven't had a donut in a long time. But I've got to help my brother Adam. So guess what? I'm going to go to the donut shop because I've got to help my brother Adam. He's saying, no, because what's going to happen? I'm going to end up eating a donut or two or three or four or 18. <laughs> she was like, Amen. What's the moral of the story? Don't eat donut. No, I'm just kidding. So, so again, think about this. Think about this. But I, but, 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 but I still have a brother who's, who's, who's caught in, in, in the donut shop. And Matthew, guys, Matthew 18, 15 through 20, he's telling us to restore a brother back into the fellowship. Now, those of you who have a church background, you grew up in church, you may have heard this taught as church discipline. Anybody know what I'm talking about, church discipline? Now, the thing about church discipline is that the word discipline has such a negative connotation, right? I'm going to discipline you. Smack. Oh, right? That's just, this is how we do. The discipline. And, and, and yes, guys, when we go through our, our teaching, there is some, to restore, brother, there is some discipline. There, there really is. And then I'm looking at this and I'm thinking the steps can be easy to restore a brother, or they can be progressively hard depending on our willingness to repent. They can be easy, or it's going to be hard as we can see. As a matter of fact, in my entire life, when it comes to restoring a brother or church discipline, I was involved one time. I was involved. Can you imagine? I had just started going to Calvary Chapel there in New Mexico, and I'm like, I'll serve. What can I do? And they're like, well, can you be an usher? I can be an usher. And the church was growing so fast, I would sit in the, and I would look, and I'd go, okay, there's, there's two over here, and, and we'd fill up that way. And I was an usher. I was just happy to be an usher. And then an usher would also pass out bulletins to the people that came in. And so there I am, as happy, hey, Ms. how you doing? How are you? Just brand new, you know, just brand new to the church. I'm helping. I'm serving. And then they say, hey, hey, can we? And they gather us together, and they go, hey, um, there's a guy who's not welcome in the church. He is in the midst of an affair. He won't repent. We've talked to him. And so, Ben, if you see him, don't let him in. <laughs> um, no, that's, I'm like, oh. Right? Do, do, do. I start looking, okay. How am I, what am I going to tell him? Right? And so I got my Daniel, he comes in, I'm going to. But that's what, and, and, and thank God that Sunday he didn't come to church. He didn't come to church. But again, I was like, okay. Now, here, here was the, per- I, I didn't, I was instructed, but he, here's the thing. The goal, everybody say goal, was to restore him back to his wife. And back to his church. That was the goal. And if we don't understand what Jesus is telling us, we'll sit there and go, wow, I can't believe that you don't let people in your church. You think, no, 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 the goal is to restore. And here's what I can honestly say. I can honestly say in that situation, after he met with the leadership, it actually worked. He left that extramarital affair, reconciled back to his wife, repented, I was like, wow, was welcomed back into fellowship. That's what we're talking about this morning. So this morning, we're going to look at what Jesus says about church discipline, or what I like to call steps to restore a sinning saint. If you're wondering if churches still do this today, the answer is most do not. Most do not. Okay? The problem is, is that, is that many, many churches are wanting to grow their church numerically. And if somebody here is blatantly sinning to where the leadership here goes, Hey, you're not welcome here until you get it right. 
they will simply jump and go to another church. Also, if you're taking note, just kind of keep this in mind, many have abused this. Many have abused Matthew 18, as Jesus showed us. Why? Because instead of bringing and restoring them back to fellowship, they've actually ruined a sinning brother and sister. How so? Well, okay, so we're going to exercise, we're going we're to use these steps to restoration. Well, they're not willing to re- be restored. And so what happens is all of a sudden you see them at the grocery store and you're like, well, can you believe? And, 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 and is that what the church is supposed to do? And he's going, and they've used this. The goal The goal, once again, is that when we're caught up in sin, not to ruin a life, but try to restore that person back into the body of Christ. That's the goal. That's the goal. Now, let me say this. Don't get caught up in sin. It's coming after you. Don't get caught up. Don't get all knotted up that you find yourself in a a horrible place. Listen to... Listen to what William Berkeley said, and I quote, Let's not overlook the purpose of this. Jesus did not give us these steps so that we can get rid of people who bother us, who sin against us, or with whom we disagree. The purpose is not to get rid of, but to gain. Therefore, if you run in, if you run to this passage when you want to punish someone and get rid of them, your spirit is wrong, and you will not likely use the procedure correctly. Jesus identifies the purpose at the end of 15 to gain your brother, and that should be the hope, end quote. I like that. I like that, and, and, and I like the way he says it. Now, if you've come to Calvary for any length of time, our core values are really simple. The first one is love God. Love God. But the second one, guys, is to love people. Okay, so we're called to love people back to life. What we need to understand is that there's a lot of believers out there who seem to be tripping and falling and falling, and and our job is to love them back. Either they've been hurt by the church or they've been hurt by somebody, and it's like, no, 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 that's not how Jesus... And so sometimes when they're unrepentant, we have to include tough love. Spiritual tough love. Do you know what that means? Well, let's look at it, what he's going to do. Why do we have to use that? Because if we apply Matthew 18 correctly, then we in hopes to gain our brother back. So that's what we're going to look at today. This is what's going to happen. That's our intro, steps to restoring a sinning saint. The first step, jot this down, to restoring is found in verse 15. The first step to restoring a sinning saint. Jesus is speaking and he says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you. Now, again, he's talking about a brother. He's talking about family. He's talking about a saint. Okay, a believer. If you, if a believer sins against, what's that word? Say it again. Say it again. You, go and tell him his fault between you and him. What's that word? Again. Exactly. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. This is, again, so now let's unpack it. If my brother sins against me, what does it mean to sin? To sin against him. Well, I looked up the word. It means to engage in wrongdoing. To engage in wrongdoing. The act of contrary to the will and law of God. Okay. So if my brother sins against me, so, when he says you, this is personal. This is personal. Okay? Please bear in mind that this is a sin, and all sin requires evidence. You got that? Every sin, you should know. He, Jesus says, go and tell him his fault between you and him Alone. Alone. Now, this is so important. Why? Because what we need to understand, the teaching of Christ is not for every situation. He's very specific. 
this situation, again, he says, if your brother sins against you, there are other sins to be dealt with according to other instructions. Galatians tells us, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us, also uh, 1 Timothy uh, 5, chapter 5, verse 20. But this would be if a brother sins against you. Now, if you have a pencil handy, you can circle or highlight that word for alone. In the original Greek, it's emphatic. It's blinking. It's like this. It's alone. He's saying, go to him alone. And you go, why? Why is that? Well, again, because this is a, this is a private matter. So step one is to, is to go and tell him, hey, this is, this is what happens. He says, if you take now, again, you gotta have evidence. This is the sin that you, you've committed. This is what you're doing. Okay? And again, he says, you take it and, and you come up with the alleged offender privately. And based on this, at first thought, I have sinned against, I need to go, not stay, not sulk, and not tell others. Can you, I mean, think about it. Our human sinful nature is to tell everybody what you did to me. And so we, you know, and, and guys, be careful because, because we need to go to them alone. This is, this is the step. Because here's the thing. For example, let's just say that Haas sinned against me. Okay? And I said, man, I'm, I'm really offended. And, and whatever, I mean, wrong, again, it's not that, 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 that the sin was, I was, I was trying to talk to Haas and he didn't hear me and he just walked away. I mean, that's, that's different. That's just like, oh, well, Haas, didn't you hear me? Oh, sorry, I did. Because I told you the story in Rio Rancho. I told you the story of the guy who got offended with Pastor Robert because he kept saying good morning to him and, and Robert would not acknowledge him. So he got so offended that the pastor did not talk to him. Come to find out, Robert didn't have his hearing aid and didn't hear him. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. That's a simple, hey, I said hi to you and you didn't say hi to me. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't have that. I lost my hearing aid and, and you know, that's the same thing. Mike, you know what I'm talking about? The hearing aid, yes. But Haas offended me. I don't want to go to Mike Shaw. Hey, this is what Haas did to me. What do you think? Well, Pastor Ben, you're right. That was wrong. Yeah, you're right. Adam, did you know what Haas did? What am I doing? Right, and so Haas comes to me and he goes, Ben, I am so sorry. I ran over your toes. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And I go, Haas, you're all right. I love you, brother. So Haas says, so I'm good with Haas. Guess who's not good with Haas? Mike and Adam. You see how we're doing? He says, go to him alone. Go to him alone. Don't, don't stay and sulk. Go to him. Go to him alone. Why? Here's the hope. Look at the verse again, guys. This is so cool. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go to him and tell him his fault alone. If he hears you, notice that word. I love that word, hears. Because a lot of times I listen to a lot of things, but I never hear anything. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's the truth. If you're married and you're a guy here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? You know exactly what I'm talking about because your wife is talking to you. And you're listening, but you don't hear a word she says. You're looking like he was like, <laughs> so, so what does this mean? Okay, so jot this down. Here's the hope. If he hears, here's, here's the Greek. To believe something and respond to it on the basis of having heard. In order to accept it, to listen, to listen and respond, to pay attention, to respond, to heed. That's what it means. Okay, so he actually, oh, oh, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I didn't realize that. Ah, oh, wow, wow. And that's the hope. The hope that he, it's really, it's one and done. That he, oh, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. So we come and, and if you approach the guilty party with the right attitude, and you have sufficient evidence, guys, this is combined with a receptive, humble spirit, you've gained your brother. You've gained your brother. You see, 
It's, restore, it's a step to doing that. And, and, and a lot of times, if we'll handle it the way Jesus tells us, it's one and done. And we don't. Now, now listen, we don't. <sighs> In the night that, that Jesus was betrayed, do you remember what he did? He took a basin of water. And he washed the disciples' feet. Do you guys remember that? And, every, and, and he was showing them servanthood, but he was showing them forgiveness. He was showing them forgiveness. But what I love about the story is, as he was forgiving, and he was an act of forgiveness and an act of servanthood, he didn't have the water so scalding hot they say, okay, put your feet in here. Listen, you've been walking in the dirty, and, 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 and when we do that when it comes to forgiveness. We'll forgive, but we don't let the person ever forget that we know that they've done that. And so we're, we're really, or, or, the, or the water wasn't so super cold that we're cold to them. We've said we forgive them, but now we won't even talk to them. We won't even acknowledge them. That's, that's not forgiveness. It was the right temperature to say, I love you. And this is what he's saying. The temperature of your heart determines, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Are we forgiven? I'm forgiven. Are we good? We're good. And it's done. Can I get an amen? amen. But what happens? The devil comes in. The devil comes in and goes, he didn't really mean that, Raina. He didn't really mean that. He's over here telling all his friends. They're gossiping about you. Blah blah. We don't want any of that. This is the word of the Lord. And so he comes in and he says, okay, that's what you do. One and done. But then there's a second step. Let's say he doesn't. Okay? Notice, the second step to restoring the sinning saint. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the word of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So the second step to restoration is to take one or two with you so that everything can be confirmed. Now, this doesn't mean you get angrier. This doesn't mean you campaign against him or gossip. These witnesses are not on your side. You understand that? Their function is not to gang up on the person. These are not getting your friends to help you fight a battle. These are asking fellow disciples to listen objectively to the matter. This is what's key, guys. This is what's key. Okay, so you go to the sinning saint and you tell him his fault. And he blows you off in embarrassment. Ah, you're just, what's the, oh, you're oversensitive. Oh, no, come on, no. And, and so what you do is you lovingly bring some credible witnesses who have actually witnessed what you're doing what you're doing. They see it. You can't just go to somebody and go, hey, are you with me? You're with me on this, right? Well, I've never really seen him do this. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, seriously, he's, he's out here doing this, this, and this, and, 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 and that sort of thing. Make sure you fully understand this is not a personal vendetta that you have against a person. That's not what it's for. What's the whole? To restore a brother. We will never be more like Christ than when we work to restore a brother into fellowship, a sister into fellowship. That's his heart. Because what would happen if we were on the other end? We found ourselves this being the sinning saint. And, it's, and it can happen really easy a couple of hard circumstances in our lives, and we can walk away from God doing what we want to do in a sinful matter. And you're still a saint. I, we want to bring you back into fellowship. That's what he's saying. And it also happens to pastors. We lift up pastors and put them on pedestals, but they still struggle the same way. They're just as human. And if I'm not careful, I could find myself outside the church doing dumb stuff, and I would hope that my church would want to restore me at least back into fellowship. 
And yet, I've seen time and time again where we kick a brother out I'm going to bring two two credible witnesses because I want to restore the brother. This is not about me grant, granting or getting or ganging up on him because he didn't listen to me at first or whatever it might be. Think about this, guys, and you can jot this down. Deuteronomy 19 and 15 is the principle. He writes, One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. But by the word of two or three witnesses, he must, uh, he, the matter must be established. So this is the principle. This is where you said we're two or three witnesses. Okay? So it's important. This is also very important not to bring an accusation against an elder, against a pastor, by yourself. Because he says here, one witness is not going to bring an accusation. For example, let me just use this as a story, okay? So all of a sudden, for some reason, you see Ben Martinez's truck, Pastor Ben's truck, over at Doc's liquor store. You see the Calvary Dove, and you go, hey, that's... You go, wow, he's... What's, what's, and so, so you bring an accusation. Well, we gotta tell the church. Pastor Ben was over at Doc's liquor store. Or whatever liquor store, whatever it might be. And I think he's, I think he's getting sauced every night. I think so. (laughs) He says, you need to bring two or three witnesses. So what you need to do is you go, hey, listen, I think, and what's the goal? We want a new pastor. Let's get Ben out of there. He's getting sauced every night. No, hey, listen. And then all of a sudden you see me. And two or three witnesses go, hey, bro, what are you doing? Ooh. That's what he's saying. He's saying, make sure you do this right because you thought it was me, but I lent my truck to somebody else. And you brought an accusation, and, and, and I had lent my truck to a brother or a friend or my neighbor, and they were at the liquor store. Do you see? You see how we could get this? And this is what he's talking about. But what was the purpose? Well, Deuteronomy 19 and 15, the purpose, guys, was for reconciliation back into the body of Christ. Now, we've tried two steps. We've tried two. We've come to them. Nope, no want to. I've brought a couple of brothers with me, sisters. Nope. And we, and they're not restored. They're just not having it. They're do, they love their sin, whatever it might be. So we have to go to a third step. Third step. Notice verse 17. He says, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But even if he refuses to hear the church, let him to be, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Let's look at, let's look at step number three. First of all, it says, if he doesn't hear, if he doesn't hear, then I need to, he says, tell it to the church. At this point in the matter, the guilty brother or sister who will not repent, this is not about somebody you don't like, everybody got that right, or somebody you see a threat to the power of the local church. This is an offender whose sin has been established by evidence and whose guilt can be reported by more than one or two people. Let's use, let's just use the term adultery. Let's just use that so people got a clue. Okay? So step one, you hire cheaters, and they go after the one person, and they, they see them, they got them, but so, so, so all of a sudden you take them and you go, hey, listen, I see you going into this um, young lady's house, that's not your wife, bro, what are you doing? You know what, you need to be reconciled, let's see if we can walk through this with you. And he's like, no, no, uh, bro, the, these, my brothers here saw you going into that, they saw you, you know, at the bar, they saw you dancing, they, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, you know what, me and my wife, we're just... We're on Splitsville, I don't know, I'm just, I don't know. Or, or she doesn't know, whatever it might be, you understand. Well, he says, if this happens, he says, he says, bring it to the church. Now, you've got to remember, at this point, you have a brother who's sinning with evidence in hand, but he's still wanting to be in fellowship. He's still coming to church. Could you imagine... Could you imagine if you saw a brother or sister in the midst of sin, you caught them, you saw them, but then they're here at church with their wives. 
Like nobody knows, how are you? God bless you. And you're like, you go, oh, okay, so what does Jesus tell us to do? He says, tell it to the church. Now, here's what you need to understand. I don't come up from the pulpit and say, hey, I need to tell you about so-and-so and air all their dirty laundry out. That's not what we do. At Calvary Chapel, guys, the church for us is going to be the pastors and the leadership. We're going to tell them first, hey, you know, so-and-so's really, here's what's going on, and we need to, we need to do this, and I would, I want to make them aware of the situation in order that we can collectively, that would, we would want to restore the fallen brother and sister. Okay? At this point, you've got to remember they are unrepented. They're not repenting. They're shaking their fist. They want to do. They're still coming to the church and yet sinning openly. Openly. The purpose is for all the leadership to admonish the guilty, but never to lose sight to gain the brother. Let me take you back to my story. Here I am, Usher. I'm handing out, hey, please don't let Mr. So-and-so in. He's, he is coming to church. His wife is here. And he is unrepentant. He's not willing to repent right now. Please don't let him in service. The goal is to restore him. I said, well, I've, I've got a question. What happens if he goes to another church down the road? If the pastor catches wind of that, his wife is here, he's over there, the rule should be, as leadership, we let that church know he's unrepentant, he's sinning against his wife, he needs to make this right first before he should go over there. Now, again, I've been in Lubbock 18 years. I've not got one phone call saying, hey, this person is under uh, church discipline. Don't let him into your service until they get it right with their wives. So we don't stand up and go, hey, let me air out some dirty laundry here. That way, if you guys see him at the grocery store, you can, you can snub him. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, if they won't hear you, the leadership has told them, I've asked, I've asked Mike O'Reilly, I've asked the leadership, hey, if you see this guy, don't let him in, just talk to him nicely. But tell him he's not welcome at Calvary right now until he gets it right. And remember, to restore to where he gets it right. And the guy comes and he's like, I know, rah, 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 rah. and he's doing this, right? What happens is the final step. You go, what's that? If the effort fails, guess what happens? It says, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. That's where we get to snub him, right? No, no, no. You understand how Jesus how he treated heathen and tax collectors. He loved them so that they could be restored back into the kingdom. I think of, I think of one of the most heathen tax collectors was Zacchaeus. Do you guys remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? And, and so he climbed up on a tree and he looked down and he goes, Zacchaeus, we're going to your house today. He was a tax collector. They hated tax collectors, guys. And what happened? Zacchaeus got saved. He got saved. He was transformed. And Jesus remarked, you remember, salvation has come to your house. Why? For I have came to seek and save the lost. That's the goal. So what do you do? You see him at the grocery store. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Are you doing all right? Everything okay? Not for gossip. Oh, do you know who I saw? I saw so-and-so. Oh, man, they look horrible. They look terrible. I can't believe this. Oh, yeah. Oh, I saw them with that other girl. Oh, no. Remember, the, the point is to restore what? A sinning saint, a believer. Now, you go, well, they were never a believer. Then you need to let the Lord work that way. But we're talking about a believer in church right here. We need to talk about that, right? Because think about this. With Zacchaeus, the tax collectors were inherently more sinful than the followers of Jesus. And to treat an unrepentant wrongdoer in the church like a pagan means to consider them not as a monster, but as one who's continuing to choose to sin. 
And the goal here for the leadership and for us is to protect the sheep. I'll tell you why. If we allow a brother or sister who refuses to repent and continues to sin, everybody with me? If we allow them to come to church, guess what the other sheep go? Oh, I, I think that's okay. It's okay for me to do this, and God's not mad. Okay, well, if they're okay with that, I guess I can do this, and it harms the sheep. And it harms the sheep. And as shepherds, we are here to protect the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. We don't want any of the sheep to be harmed by someone who is unrepentant. Distance from them might be the proper course of action. You go, well, what should we do? The same thing we do for everybody else. We should pray and pray for them and, and long so that, that they would repent. That they would repent. I want to gain a brother. I want to gain a sister. And here's what somebody said at prayer meeting on Thursday. We're all going to be in heaven together. We, God is just saying, let's see if y'all can get along on earth. Let's be a family. You go, yeah, Ben, but we're a dysfunctional family. Amen. We are. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect family. You guys know that. In our family, we have the weird uncle, don't we? We have the crazy aunt. <laughs> we, have, we have cousins that we hadn't seen in a while. We still love them. But we're family. We're family. We all have the same spirit, the Holy Spirit living inside us. And listen to me closely, church. Sometimes, sometimes, a brother or a sister will get caught. And can't get out. And it's our job to bring them back and help them. Do you guys remember when the children of Israel were, were leaving Egypt? Do you guys remember? And they were coming through the Amalekites, right? And they all they're all together, they're all walking together. But it was the it was the old people, the stragglers, the I don't know, I mean it was all the ones in the back who got picked off because they weren't with the group. They were the ones kind of, and they couldn't walk very fast, and they weren't with the group, and the Amalekites being a type of the flesh were the ones that would come out and destroy those Israelites, which means we have to be careful. We have to protect the flesh because it's really simple to step off course, and then we get picked off. And then I... I Lord forbid, Lord forbid that we're, we're somebody who goes, oh my goodness, how did this happen? One minute, I'm pastoring a beautiful church with wonderful people, and the next minute, it can happen. It can happen, church. And so we have to work really hard. We have to love those, and, and, and it should break our heart that these, these, these beautiful people are unrepentant that they're choosing to love the sin for a moment rather than God forever. I understand in using the illustration of, of adultery, no marriage is perfect. I understand that. But, but we need to love God more. And we need to honor that. Now, even before we hit step one, there should be accountability to go, hey, I'm, I'm struggling, man. I need, I need some help. I, I'm, I'm scared. Well, why are you scared, Pastor? Well, there's, there's this girl, and she's flirting with me, and I like it. And, 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 and then I start, lift, I start listing off a bunch of things that Nathalie is not doing, or doing, or doing, or not doing. You know what I'm saying? And then... Before a moment's notice, you guys are talking about yourself. I can't believe it. Did you hear what happened? And Pastor Sofa's up here, and it's like, did you hear what happened? No, I didn't hear what happened. 
It's the same thing we hear all the time. And the pastor ran off with... Well, it goes on, guys, in verse 18. The Lord says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done from them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, you guys, I've taught you and taught you and taught you. The one thing you need to realize is this is context. Okay, notice the context. What are we talking about? We're talking about a sinning brother. Now, what happens is the people, well-meaning, beautiful people, will pull this out and say, hey, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And then we start binding everything that we think, you know, is, is whatever it might be. Or, or we'll say, hey, hey, I'm praying. Are you praying, Mary? Where two or three are gathered, the Lord's there. And we'll use this and we'll pull it out of context. Now, remember this, church, listen to me. If you take something out of context, it becomes a pretext, and then, and then I can make it mean anything I want it to mean. But in context, we're talking about sin. This is all of chapter 18. Don't cause a little one to stumble. Woe to you. Don't be the, don't be the cause of that. If that happens, if you've got to sin, let's, let's restore him back to. And he says this. Well, we're talking about binding and loosing. Well, he's talking about basically this has to do, this has to do with applying the word in a matter of what? Of discipline. Hey guys, we're, we're going to do this together. Listen, pound, Paul bound the offending brother in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Do you guys remember that? You go, how so? Well, look at verse 5 on the screen. First Corinthians 5, 5 says, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's he saying? He's saying part of that binding, okay, part of that binding was you had a guy in church, in the Corinthian church, that was sleeping either with his stepmom or his mother-in-law. I'm not sure which one it was. And the leadership was okay. They're like, come on in. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. Let me tell you this. Kick him out. He, he needs to go out. He's causing more harm. But then he does something. Well, let's go back just a minute. He says, well, what does it mean to deliver a Christian unto Satan? First, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean to deny or rob him of salvation. That's not what it means. But for you see, the church does not grant salvation but it means to put him out of fellowship with God and those in the church in hopes of him being, quote-unquote, fair game for Satan in hopes that he would repent and turn to the Lord. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's not going, well, give him to Satan. He'll just, ah, see, I told you. He goes, no, take him out of the church, and hopefully he'll realize, oh, oh. But then he does, he does the binding. But what was the sole purpose of the binding? Repentance, forgiveness, and restoration. You with me? But then he looses them. He, he looses this guy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, check this out. Paul says, The punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. Okay? So what's he saying right here, just on this verse? What's he saying? He's saying, that was good enough. He came back. He was restored. That was good. Don't treat him awful anymore. Don't treat him awful anymore. Listen, the punishment of church discipline produced a brokenness in the man's heart, and he repented. Now it's time, what Paul's saying is, now it's time to forgive him and comfort him. How cool would that be to see this worked out, and you see a brother come back and be like, wow. And we've seen it in the church, guys. And I'm not talking about Calvary. I'm talking about the, the church of God. We've seen people that have wandered off, and they've walked so far from the Lord, and then only... When you restore them, they come back, and they're so broken, and they're so humble, and they know what that world is out there like. And it's like, oh, it's a beautiful thing. Hey, at the end of the day, God's going to work all of this out, is he not? So our job is to love people back to life. And sometimes love means restoring in, in discipline. Sometimes it's like, oh, oh. 
Oh. Look at verse 19 again, guys. He says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them. You know what this is indicating towards prayer? This is prayer. When we gather together and pray, hey, we're praying. And we're not praying, church, listen to me, we're not praying in gossip. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we pray and, it, and it's gossip. Oh, we need to pray for so-and-so. Well, really? What's the matter? Well, let me tell you. And then you list off of things that they're doing in prayer. You know what I heard in prayer feathers? I heard so-and-so was doing this and doing that, and they were all over there getting sauced and everything and dancing, and they didn't even know how to dance and all this stuff. I was just like... Sally, you know what I was saying over in prayer? You know, you know what I'm saying? And we do this and that. No, no, we're, we're praying for the restoration. Please pray for them. What's the matter? God knows, but please pray that they, they're repentful. Okay, I can pray that. I can pray that. Well, what is it that... That's, you know what? God knows. You know what? That's, that's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Verse 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now remember, this is not a standalone verse, but it seems to indicate when we pray for our brothers and sisters to be restored into fellowship, God is there with us. God is there with us. Okay. So as we close, we have God's way of restoring a sinning saint. Steps, if you will. It's important right now to check our hearts to see we may be only a few steps short from falling into sin. And so that's the warning to us. I don't want to go to the first, I don't want to do the four steps. I want to just make sure that I confess that right now. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I don't want to do that. What does that mean? Listen, if it means that you need to delete something from your computer, delete something from your computer. If it means that you need to get rid of the internet, get rid of the internet. If it means you need to quit your job because you're on the verge, then quit your job. We talked about that last week. Drastic measures, guys. Drastic measures. Why? Because we talked about this. Sin is very serious to the Lord. And I pray we don't dabble with it. We don't flirt with it. We just... Now, when we have a sinning saint or we have been personally offended by a brother and sister, let us be reminded. Nothing we learn today, church, caters to an immature, vengeful purposes of our heart. The point is not to get rid of anyone. And we've also learned not to elevate ourselves but to, ha- to walk humbly in an, with a contrite spirit. It's about bringing a sinner to repentance. It's about our motive modeled after his motive and his heart. Can I get a good amen? amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for Calvary Chapel, Lord, that we can teach verse by verse. Lord, that's what we do, and I have to tackle each one, and and Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for when when we flirted with sin. Forgive us, Lord, when we've danced close to that line of Demarcation. Lord, also today, let us not be, Lord, maybe, maybe there's someone even here today that's struggling. They're, they're in sin. And Lord, I pray that today that the Holy Spirit would say, hey, it's not too late, it's time to repent. 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would never have to um, ask a brother or sister not to come to church. But if it if it brings them to repentance and it brings them to a place of restoration, a true restoration for Lord Jesus, you are coming soon and we cannot and will not play church. I pray. I pray for everyone here. I pray we'd walk closely and humbly with you. That, that Lord, just those areas of our lives that we need broken down, that they would be broken. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do an incredible work in our church in our lives, that we would love people. We would just love people unconditionally, hoping that they would repent, hoping that they would come back to fellowship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe today you were thinking, hey, I'm not sure about, um, I'm not sure about steps to restoring a sinning saint because... I'm not even a saint. I, I've never given my life to God. I've never surrendered fully. And maybe you're here today and God has been knocking on your heart and I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to become a saint. You go, wow, what does that mean? Just simply to give your life to him. So if God has been knocking on your heart and you know it, because it, it, I mean, it had anything to do with what Pastor was talking about today. It was just you and him. And here's what you're thinking. I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know if I'm in a right relationship. I don't know if the Lord Jesus would come today or if I died, I would go to heaven. I'm kind of, I'm kind of iffy on that. What do I need to do, Pastor? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to open up your heart and say yes to him. Believe in him, but make that step. And confess that. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess him with your mouth, you'll be saved. And so I want to pray for you. If you're here today and uh, that's where you are, will you just lift up your hand right now? Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to make that commitment to Jesus. I want to, I want to be right with him before I leave here today. That was the whole point of church. I want to be right. So would you just lift up your hand and say yes? Would you do that right now? If God is speaking to you, would you just lift up your hand? just want to give you an opportunity. Anyone here? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else would say yes to him, just to be right. Don't leave here without being right. Father, I thank you, Lord. And there might be hands that were raised at, on, online. I just thank you. I pray for those, Lord, that we would be right. We would just confess our sin to you. Say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I'm following you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.